It's NPR's Book of the Day. I'm Linda Holmes. Author Thomas Mallon's new historical novel, Up With the Sun, is fiction, but the murder it talks about really happened. The book is based on the real story of an actor named Dick Coleman, who was murdered along with his partner in their New York apartment in 1980. He had never been hugely famous, but he worked, and in his personal life, he was, Mallon tells NPR's Scott Simon, sort of half in and half out, like a lot of artists at the time. Mallon says that despite some ugly behavior he portrays in the book, he wanted to show empathy for Coleman. Because like every character in every book, a real historical figure asks a writer for some understanding. This message comes from NPR sponsor Noom. Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, helps you build new habits for a healthier lifestyle. Check out The Noom Kitchen for 100 healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. This message comes from NPR sponsor Mint Mobile. From the gas pump to the grocery store, inflation is everywhere. So Mint Mobile is offering premium wireless starting at just $15 a month. To get your new phone plan for just $15, go to mintmobile.com slash switch. Let's put it this way. Dick Coleman was no Lawrence Olivier or Elvis or even Tab Hunter name you might have to look up. Dick Coleman was an actor and singer in the 1950s and 60s who had a few star turns on stage and in sitcoms and recorded a few songs. You, you were born to be loved. The Dick Coleman star never quite rose. He left showbiz, sold high-ticket antiques, and then his life took a most tragic turn. He was murdered, together with Stephen Zlotik, his business and life partner, in their Manhattan apartment in 1980. Thomas Mallon, who's been praised for his historical novels, including Henry and Clara, Watergate, and Fellow Travelers, has a new novel that centers on that relatively unremembered life. It's called Up With the Sun. Tom Mallon joins us now from Washington, D.C. Thanks so much for being with us. Thanks for having me, Scott. You've written these acclaimed novels that draw from the lives of people caught up in great events, uh, from presidential assassination to McCarthyism. What drew you to write about Dick Coleman? Well, I remembered the sitcom he had for one year in the 1960s. It was called Hank, and it was pretty preposterous. He played a college drop-in. He was raising his little kid sister. He had no money, and he would disguise himself each week as a student he knew was going to be absent from class so that the professor teaching the class would think that he was that student. But I remembered it because I was so desperate to go to college, and uh, I probably thought uh, some awakening part of me, I would have been 13, I thought Coleman was this appealing, attractive guy. And the murder, when it occurred uh, all those years later, resonated in a strange way with me because uh, Coleman was actually killed on the day that my father was buried. And Mm -hmm. um, I was sort of passing through New York while the murder was being planned uh, for that evening. They didn't plan it as a murder. They planned it as a robbery, but it turned into a murder. Wrote down a phrase you, you, you have at one point. The past had offered him no protection against a loud, last, fatal knock on the door. Makes you think about his murder, but also a concealed life that he led? He was closeted to many people, 
including his family. But in that era of the late 70s, very early 80s, he was rather flamboyant. You know, he would show up at uh, Broadway openings in his full-length fur coat. And in that sense, he was like many people of that time. He was sort of half in, half out. Uh, narrator for much of the book is a, is a fictional character, Matt Leonetto, a pianist. And how does he come to play a role in telling Dick Coleman's story? Matt is Coleman's complete opposite. Coleman was brassy, pushy, difficult, alienated all kinds of people. And Matt is this sweet-natured, shy fellow who meets Coleman when he's the pianist for Seventeen, a musical adaptation of Booth Tarkington's novel that Coleman was in in 1951. And Matt is probably uh, sick with uh, HIV and AIDS, which is beginning its uh, ravaging of New York. And there's a kind of yin-yang quality uh, to it. Uh, Matt is trying to understand this man he's known for so long who was so difficult and whose way of life, just in terms of brashness, was so different from his own. Very upsetting scene where you you have Dick Coleman playing the lead in the touring company of how to succeed in business without really trying. Diane Cannon as in real life, was in the production. She obviously became very well-known. And Dick Coleman does something terrible to her. He smashes her finger. And I don't know exactly how it happened, but it was a story that was first told to me quite a number of years ago by Robert Osborne of TCM fame, who was also part of Lucille Ball's Desilu workshop with Coleman in the late 50s. And uh, this was the period... Uh, just before Diane Cannon married Cary Grant, and uh, there was talk that uh, Cary Grant wanted Coleman to be killed uh, over this. Over smashing her finger. Over smashing the finger. And much of this is fictionalized, but there's a basis for it in reality. And it says something that when I first heard that story about Dick Coleman, um, I didn't really have trouble believing it. One quickly hears enough stories about a kind of nastiness and fraudulence to him and yet, like any character in fiction, writing novels is always an exercise in empathy. You have to try to understand them. You have to get into their heads. You have to uh, see things from their, literally from their point of view. I want to read something very carefully with you that I've heard over the years from show business figures who happen to be gay, particularly of a generation where this wasn't the way uh, many of them lived openly. I've had more than one say to me, well, you know, we're we're used to acting. That's why we're in show business. Mm -hmm. I think that in some ways uh, it made the masquerade perhaps easier. But I think if they were serious performers in show business, it made life more difficult for them in that, uh, you know, a really serious actor, you're trying to do something authentic. And if you know that you're going against authenticity in your own behavior, it's got to sap something from you. It's got to take something out of you. Tom, you are, are suddenly the advocate for a marginal show business figure. Maybe not the advocate, maybe the press agent. <laughs> but uh, yes, I'm sort of uh, trying to you know, put him a bit into the limelight uh, after all of these years. I don't know what he would think of that. You know, because he came from this pushy, struggling show business background where uh, all you want is for them to spell your name right in the papers, I think he 
might have viewed this, despite the unappetizing aspects of the portrayal, as a kind of afterlife success. But there's no real way that I can know that. Tom Allen's new novel, Up With the Sun. Thank you so much for being with us. Thank you, Scott. This message comes from NPR sponsor Acorn TV. Stream stories from around the world, from sinister suspense to charming comedies and clever crime dramas like My Life is Murder, starring Lucy Lawless. Visit acorn.tv for a 30-day free trial with promo code NPR. This message comes from NPR sponsor Rosetta Stone, an expert in language learning for 30 years. Right now, NPR listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership to 25 different languages for 50% off. Learn more at rosettastone.com slash NPR. On this week's episode of Wild Card, comedian Bowen Yang says you don't have to feel bad for falling short on mindfulness. I get in my own way by, like, over-privileging the present. That's so interesting because everyone wants to be in the present. I feel like being present is overrated. I'm Rachel Martin. Join us for NPR's Wild Card podcast, the game where cards control the conversation.